Some of y'all need to get, sh- shake out a little bit. Y'all are, y'all are looking a little, a little tired. Well, Lord, I ask you for, uh, for your direction this morning. I ask that you would just make clear what this church needs to hear and that you would give me the ability to, to speak it with boldness and that it would be anointed and that you would prod our hearts where they need to be prodded, Lord, and that you would direct us. All right, I'm going to try to do the, the long message. I'm going to try to do it fast. And y'all, give me grace. For shock value, I'm calling this message Sleeping with the Enemy. Ooh, juice. Juicy. <laughs> That'll wake you up. <laughs> I just thought about that actually when Paige was talking. I was like, that, that sounds kind of cool. I've been studying the book of Nehemiah uh, a lot lately. And um, there's so many amazing things in this book that I've gleaned in the past couple uh, weeks, almost a little over a month now. But there's two things I really wanted to pull out of this uh, for, our, for us today. I feel like it's the Lord. I think it's going to encourage some of you. And I think it's going to convict or challenge some of you the way it convicted and challenged me. So um, it's gonna, there's a couple, there's a little outline I want to run through here, some scriptures I really want to hit, and also give you a little background. Nehemiah. How many of you have read the book of Nehemiah and have a kind of a good grasp on the book of Nehemiah? Okay, one-tenth of you all. Cool. <laughs> so um, Nehemiah got news that the, that the walls of Jerusalem were in disarray. They were, they were down. They, were, then they had been down for a while, and it broke his heart. And he was sent by the king whom he served, uh, King Xerxes, um, and he had a pretty high position, and he was sent by the king and was given favor from the king to go back to his people and rebuild the fallen walls. Whenever I hear things like that, I always ask myself two questions. How is that like Jesus, and how is that like me? I hope when you read the Bible, you do the same. How is that like Jesus? How is that like me? Jesus was sent by a king. He was sent by the king of kings. He is the king of kings. And he came to rebuild and restore people. And me, you, we've been sent by a king. And we've got the favor of that king to prepare the way for his return. So I always ask myself these questions. How is that like Jesus and how is that like me? So Nehemiah has been sent out. He's got the favor of the king, the permission of the king, the resources of the king to do this work of rebuilding the walls, right? And just like in any good story, there's opposition. Back to the question, what was the opposition that Jesus faced? And what, was the opposi- and what is the opposition I face? And we're going to touch into that right now. But first of all, let's pick up in verse, in chapter 2, and verse, verse sorry, 17. I want to pick up on this, you guys. This is going to give you a little bit of what he's doing and some of the opposition here against Nehemiah. This is going to be kind of crazy. Uh, it's going to be kind of a crazy story the way this thing ends. You're not going to believe it. But i gotta, I got to help you get there first. So in verse 17 in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, it says, Then I said to them, You see the bad situation we are in. 
that Jerusalem is desolate, its gates burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach. I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. Then he said, let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. I love that shirt, John. Do good. Where's your shirt at? Do good. Put your hands to the good work. But then, verse 19, everybody, but when, everybody say, but when. Sambalot, the Horonite, and Tobiah. Everybody say, Tobiah. Boo. The Ammonite official and Geshem, the Arab, heard it. They mocked us and despised us and said, What is this thing you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven will give us success. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you, now this is, this is crazy, y'all. Listen to this. He's talking to Sambalot. He's talking to Tobiah. And listen to what he says to him. But you have no portion, right, or memorial in Jerusalem. That's important. Y'all are going to be like, what? in the world just happened. I did not see. You know that movie, those movies that you watch at the very end, something absolutely crazy happens. You're like, how in the world did that just happen? This, this verse is kind of crucial to that. But you have no portion, no right or memorial in Jerusalem. So we've already got, we've got a vision. We've got a man sent by a king to do a work for God's people. And all of a sudden, we already have opposition, Right? And one of the main people there is Sambalot, and the other one is Tobiah, right? Let's take a look at some more of the opposition and what they have said and, and they had done. Go over to chapter 4. I told you I'm kind of going, you, you ever listen to podcasts, and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this in like 1.2 mode? That's like, I'm, gonna be, I'm trying to be like 1.2 speed here so we can cover some ground here. Verse, or chapter 4, verse 3 says this, now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him, talking about Sambalot, and he said, listen to this. He's kind of like throwing some shade because they've, they've begun the work, right? They've begun the work on the wall. And now listen to what Tobiah is saying. <laughs> he says, even what they are building, even if a fox should jump on it, it would break its stone walls down. Isn't that, you hearing that? He's like throwing some serious shade on what's taking place. He, trash talking. Somebody say trash talking. Trash talking. Talking smack. Even a fox could jump on that wall and make the whole thing fall down. You ever experience resistance like that? Oh, what you're doing is not important. What you're doing doesn't mean anything. Oh, don't, that one little brick, that little brick. No, I mean, that's the enemy. He's chattering. He's trying to discourage you by trying to convince you that what you're doing is meaningless. It's weak. It's pointless. It's a lie. Okay, that's what Tobiah is doing. Again, Tobiah, he's, we just read about him in, in chapter 2, and now we read about him here again in chapter 4, and then in verse 7, it says this, Now when Sambalot, Tobiah, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the, oh my gosh, a lot of ites, <laughs> heard, <laughs> heard the repair of the walls of Jerusalem was on, and that the breaches began to be closed, they were very angry and they conspired to come and fight against Jerusalem to cause a disturbance. 
But when we prayed to our God, and because of them, we set up guard against them day and night. I thought that was kind of cool. We're talking about setting up a day and night watch. I believe, and I was talking with Vic and Miriam the other day, I was like, not only should we be doing this, but I think we need to be pressing in. Nehemiah wasn't just like, hey, I've got a good idea. Let's throw some people on the wall. There was a very strategic reason why Nehemiah was doing that. And I feel like the Lord wants to reveal to us a specific reason for this day and night watch for what he's doing. And that it's not just a good idea. It's actually a very strategic thing that he wants us to partner with heaven with. But again, Tobiah is in the mix. How many of you know you got some Tobias in your life? You have Tobias that are trying to discourage you, trying to discredit you, trying to slander you, trying to get in your mind, trying to kill, steal, and destroy you. And here's what the thing I want you all to be encouraged by, and I feel like this is something that I wrestled with for a long time. Your enemy, this is going to sound very deep. Your enemy is your enemy. And although we've got Tobiah here in Nehemiah, we've got different enemies today in our lives. We've got enemies like the spirit of addiction. We've got enemies like the spirit of shame. We've got enemies like the spirit of lust. We've got enemies, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against these unseen powers, principalities. But here's, here's where we get tricked up. We get tricked up. Whenever we have an enemy coming against us, we like personalize that thing and we get all embarrassed and ashamed that we're struggling with something. Can you imagine Nehemiah saying, uh, yo, Ezra, Ezra, I'm having, a little, I'm having a little Tobiah problem. Can you pray with me? I'm kind of embarrassed. No, these are your enemies that are coming against you. Do not personalize these enemies like it's a you thing. This is an assault, an all-out assault against you to get you from doing what God has called you to do. Break, the enemy wants to bring shame, condemnation, and all this judgment against you because he wants you to attach your identity to your enemy. Tobiah was not Nehemiah's friend, nor should Nehemiah ever feel like he has anything to be embarrassed about. He's got an enemy, and the enemy needs to be dealt with. We've got enemies. I want to set you all free today. If you're struggling with something and you feel like there's an embarrassment or shame or guilt, I can't tell you. No, do not attach your personality and who you are to this thing that's trying to destroy you. Do not allow guilt to keep you from dealing with your enemy. Your enemy is your enemy. Lust is your enemy. You don't have to act like it's you having a problem. It is an enemy attacking you. And whenever I read the book of Psalms and I hear David crying out, Lord, arise, let my enemies be scattered, all these things. I know he's talking about nations, but we're under a different covenant. We're talking about spirits. And I think about these things that have caused me so much embarrassment and so much shame over the years. And I'm realizing that the Lord is fighting these enemies. And I have to just tell a brother, tell a sister, tell my wife, tell somebody, tell that I'm being under attack and the shame of this thing is broken and no longer am I going to get my identity from an enemy who's trying to tell me that I'm doing something wrong. Woo! Come on, y'all. 
Come on. I just encourage you, if you don't take any, well, I want you to take two things away. One, I want you to begin to identify these places in your life that are keeping you bound down. I want you to identify them as enemies, not as a personal thing to be embarrassed about. We all got enemies, and they're after you. They want to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus has made a way through the forgiveness and the grace. We are cleansed from all of our unrighteousness because of the blood of Jesus. So start to get that. If I can do anything today is encourage you to begin to see those things in your life as enemies. See it as an enemy. I think that's going to set some of you all free when you just get that little shift. It's going to help you deal better with these things in your life. And there's not going to be all this like, oh, man, I'm so embarrassed. Nehemiah, Nehemiah wasn't embarrassed because of Tobiah. Nehemiah wasn't embarrassed because of Sambalot. He made it known and he went for it. Come on. Can I get an amen? Amen. Deal with that stuff, y'all. Come talk to somebody. Tell somebody that you love. An enemy is on my boosie, and I'm I'm not going to stand for it anymore. This isn't not me. That thought's not mine. That greed's not mine. That perversion's not mine. That fear isn't mine. I have a little four-year-old girl up here. She was crying because she was so afraid to speak to you or to sing this morning. And I looked at her with tears in her eyes, and I said, Micah, do not let fear call the shots in your life. Do not let fear tell you what you're going to do. Fear is her enemy trying to get her off of what she knew she was supposed to do because we've been practicing it all week. Isn't she just so great? You should give her a hug and tell her. Don't just tell her that she's saying great. I I encourage her. I was like, Micah, you're going to help people worship the Lord today. It's not just about you singing a good song and getting attention. It's about you bringing attention to Jesus with what he's put inside of you to do. But she had to look at that fear in the eye and say, no, this is my enemy. Oh, Daddy, I'm kind of embarrassed. I've got, I've got some fear and, you know, it's kind of, no, it's your enemy. Get rid of it. Deal with it. Don't be embarrassed. Be actually, you should be stoked. You should be stoked. I can tell you this week, my mind was inundated with all kinds of crazy stuff. And there was a temptation for me to be like, oh, man, Josh, you were, how can you think that? You're supposed to be a pastor. And you have that going on in your mind? You're supposed to, no, that is my enemy. That is my enemy. As soon as I start internalizing and making it mine, I start getting in guilt. I start getting in shame. I start getting in condemnation. It is my enemy, and I can talk to my wife, and I can talk to my people, and be like, there is an enemy coming after my mind. Whew. That was a good point one. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to get to the, the, the scandalous part here, sleeping with the enemy, Right? But in between sleeping with the enemy and, and, and with that point, I want you to, I want something, I'm going to bring something else to your attention. So, uh, I have here, 
Uh, one more up, one more thing here in chapter 6, verse 1, another attack of the enemy again. Now, when it was reported to Sambalot, Tobiah, and Geshem and the Arab, to the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and that there no breaches remained, although at that time we had not set up its doors and its gates. And Sambalot uh, sent a message to me saying, and basically, again, Tobiah, Sambalot are trying to draw Nehemiah off of what they're supposed to be doing, but this time he tries to draw them out into the out into the field to actually stop what he's doing, right? And I love you got to read it. I, I would preach this, but I'm not. It's just really good. Five times I believe they sent the same message: come out, come out, come out. And every time Nehemiah is like, "Why should I come down? I am doing a great work for God. And if I even like contemplate for a second, I should stop what I'm doing, then I have just lost the battle. I cannot come down here. I'm doing a great work for God. Just, you know, go read through that chapter. But that's another opportunity where the enemy tried to stop what Nehemiah was doing. Now, go over to chapter 10. There's a lot of lists and genealogies, and, and not, not genealogies, uh, lists of things that... Um, that are taking place in here, people going in and going out. And, you know, chapter 9 is amazing. It's just, like, incredible, like, recanting of the story of being delivered from uh, Exodus. We don't got time for all of that. But verse uh, chapter 10, verse 32, part of what was happening was not only were the, the walls being rebuilt, but Nehemiah was also having the law being read again. All of a sudden, people were like, oh, my goodness, there's been a lot of stuff that our ancestors promised they were going to be doing for God that we haven't been doing for God, and we're going to start doing them for God again. We're going to start celebrating the, the, the specific festival, and we're going to start giving tithes, and we're going to start giving offerings. And so that's what was happening. They're like renewing basically their vows because they had drifted away, right? They, they were going to begin to sacrifice again. Everybody say sacrifice again. They had gotten out of the habit of living sacrificially. They have gotten out of the habit of living sacrificially. And when I read that and I'm like, oh my goodness, is there any place in my life where I have gotten out of the habit of living sacrificially? So what happens in verse, in chapter 10, verse 32, says this, I'm going to find it. We also placed ourselves under obligation to contribute yearly one-third of a shekel for the service of the house of our God, for the showbread, for the continual grain offering, for the continual burnt offering. These are all things that had not been going on. They say we are coming back under this thing, and we are going to start living sacrificially like we should have been all along. So what happens when all of a sudden a bunch of people start living sacrificially again, and they start bringing in all this grain, and they start bringing in all this stuff, right? So go over to chapter 12, verse 30, uh, 43. Verse 43, And on that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced because God had given them great joy. Even the women and the children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem could be heard from afar. When was the last time y'all praised like that? When your praise could be heard from afar. Come on. 
And they began to sacrifice greatly. Then on verse 44, on that day, men were also appointed over the chambers for the stores, the contributions, the first fruits, the tithes to gather uh, them from the fields of the cities of the portions required by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who, were, who served, for they performed the worship of their God and the service of purification together with the singers and the gatekeepers accordance, in accordance with the command of David and of his son Solomon. And it goes on. So again, they've actually hired people. They brought people in now. We've got so much sacrificing happening. Tie is happening. Oil coming in. Grain coming in. Wine coming in. All this stuff's coming in. They had to bring somebody in to help bring some order to this and start filling up the storehouse of God's temple, right? It had been empty for quite some time, and now all of a sudden, stuff is coming in, and it's starting to get filled up again, right? That's important. I know you're like, what in the world is this guy even, why is he telling me about this? I don't want your wine or your, um, you know, Lonnie, maybe I do want your, no, I'm checking. <laughs> we don't, we want you to live sacrificially. The Lord wants us to live sacrificially. And some of us have gotten out of the habit of living sacrificially. And I'm going to close the message with this in chapter 13, verse 4. This is the part where you guys are going to be like, if you haven't read this book before, you don't, you're going to be like, what in the world did he just read? How could that possibly have just happened? Check this out in, verse, in chapter 13. Verse 4, um, right before this, um, you know, I'm no, I'm no like theologian, I don't know all the, all the details, but Nehemiah had to go away for like 12 years, and I think he became a governor somewhere else. And he came back after like 12 years. He had done all this work. People were stoked. They're, they're, they're living sacrificially again. They put themselves back under the covenant. They're, they're dealing with their enemies, and they're thriving. 12 years goes by, and all of a sudden he comes back to check in on some things. Right, He checks in, on, and this is the part, when I read it, I'm like, how in the world? Verse 4, now prior to this, Eliashib, the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God, being related to Tobiah. What? The guy talking smack? The fox guy? Being related to Tobiah, had prepared, prepared, prepared a large room for him where formerly they put grain offerings, where they formerly put the frankincense and the utensils and the tithes of grain and wine and the oil prescribed for the Levites the singers and the gatekeepers and the contributions of the priest. I don't know why y'all don't look like shocked right now. <laughs> Do y'all know what I just read? Do you hear what I just read? Go back to that question I asked you at the very beginning of this message. What's that got to do with me? <laughs> What does that got to do with me? Just, just to make it in clear, plain English, the very same guy that was taunting, mocking, 
trying to kill Nehemiah in the process of his rebuilding, the guy that was saying if you a fox were to jump on your wall, that guy, they let in to the city and actually sleeping in the place where the sacrifices and the tithes and the offerings were supposed to be. Are y'all catching this? After 12 years, the people had gotten back into the habit of not living sacrificially. After 12 years of them getting into the habit of them not living sacrificially anymore, all of a sudden, some space became available. And all of a sudden, when the space became available, the enemy was able to come in and sleep right with them. The New Testament has, I think, four or five different sacrifices that the early church is supposed to make. Most of us know that we are to bring a sacrifice of praise, but there's another sacrifice that we're supposed to bring, and it's the sacrifice of fellowship. How many of you know that fellowship is a sacrifice? I know, we've been opening up our house for home group for over two years now, every Wednesday night, and it is a sacrifice. It is a sa- I see my wife thinking about making sure that people feel welcome, that they feel loved, that, they, that we have had time to pray for them by name, to make sure that we got some food that's going to meet everybody's allergy needs to make sure that there's not a whole lot of pee on the seat and that there's toilet paper is restocked. I'm just being real. It's a sacrifice. I'm being real. We got little kids, and my little guy does not know how to hit the water most of the time. It is a sacrifice, y'all. But the Lord has called us to live sacrificially. We're to sacrifice our time. We are to sacrifice our praise. We are to sacrifice our money. I wrote this song a couple years ago, and the main line of it says, fire never falls on an empty altar. And the altar is the place where you bring your sacrifice. And when we choose to not live sacrificially, it opens up a void that the enemy can exploit. That is the point. These folks, after 12 years, had gotten back into the habit of rather choosing their comfort over the command. We have different commands these days, but how many of you know we are the temple? I am the temple. You are the temple. And our temple is to be filled So I just want to challenge you and encourage you today, asking the question, is there anywhere, anywhere where I am sleeping with the enemy, where I have literally invited him in and said, hey, I got a place for you. Instead of dealing ruthlessly with the enemy, and this is the last part, I want you just to see how Nehemiah handles this. It's so funny. 
There's a show I watched one time. It was a movie. It's called like Cop and a Half. You guys ever seen the movie Cop and a Half? It's this little boy who wants to be a cop so bad. But he's tagging around with this cop cop. And they get called onto this scene where there's a domestic disturbance. And they show up and there's this man standing outside of his, you know, brick apartment looking up at a window with a woman just letting him have it, throwing everything out that window, just like throwing his TV and throwing his clothes and throwing everything out. And he's just sitting there just like watching all his stuff rain down on him, (laughs) just getting completely evicted by this woman that he had probably done wrong, right? I want you to kind of, that's what I picture when I read this. But during this time, I was not in Jerusalem for in the 32nd year of Xerxes, king of Babylon, I had gone to, to the king. After some time, however, I asked to leave from the king, and I came to Jerusalem, and I learned about what Eliashab did. I learned, I, I, Nehemiah found out Tobiah was sleeping in the quarters. <laughs> How many of you know Nehemiah isn't too happy with this situation? <laughs> By preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God. He was literally, the enemy was literally living in the courts of the house of God. It was very displeasing to me. So I threw all of Tobiah's household goods out of the room. <laughs> Picture that Tobiah comes home all of a sudden. Everything that was in his room is like getting rain down on him. Nehemiah dealt ruthlessly with this enemy, making sure that anything that would make the enemy feel comfortable got taken out. Did you hear that? Nehemiah, thank you. Nehemiah made sure that anything that would make the enemy feel at home, he threw it out. Anything that would make the enemy feel at home. Threw it out. I think there's a a beautiful, wonderful nugget for us today. Don't fill your temple with things that are going to make the enemy feel at home. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy, but we do it. And I'm not going to sit here because I believe the Holy Spirit's already going to highlight some stuff. He highlight every time I read this, I'm like, oh man, there's that Holy Spirit is so gentle. But listen to him. Listen to him and deal ruthlessly with anything that would make the enemy feel at home in your temple. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. That by your blood, we have been cleansed from all unrighteousness. We thank you, Lord, that by your blood, you have seen it fit to place your spirit within us. And that you have set us free for freedom's sake. Lord, that we would not use that freedom in any way that would taint your glory. That we would not use that freedom to put furniture in our house that would make the enemy feel comfortable to sit down. 
but Lord, that we would be filled with all the things, all of the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, that we would be filled with love, that we would be filled with joy. Some of you have an anxiety couch in your heart that the enemy loves to sit in, and he, and I'm just telling you right now, get it out. Repent of it and allow the Lord to deal with it. Get rid of it. Lord, we choose today to listen to your spirit. And we just come into agreement right now that anything within our temple that has made the enemy feel comfortable to sit down, Lord, that we would deal with it as you bring it to our attention. That there would be no shame, there would be no guilt, that we would simply say this is an enemy and it's got to go. That we would walk in freedom and that we would be the people that prepare the way for you to return in glory. In Jesus' name, amen.